I believe we're born here also to experience our pain and to experience sadness and grief and, and traumas even. And um, learning how to be with those in a way that doesn't completely knock you off your center, completely shut you down. That's just, it's just an important skill in being human. Welcome back to I'm Trying the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure as always to have you here listening. If you're new, welcome. If you're an OG, welcome back. This podcast has been through so many evolutions, and if you've been around for a while, or if you've listened to a few previous episodes, you've probably realized or come to realize that I jump a bit all over the place. Like, this is not a niche podcast. We do not cover just one topic or one area or one field of life. We truly go wherever the heart flows, wherever life flows, to be honest. And I've just really always trusted my gut intuition in that whatever I'm usually struggling through, many, many others in this community are too. It kind of seems like we're all on a universal wave energy of struggles, wins, hardships, victories, etc. Whatever label, the highs and the lows, the quote-unquote good and the bad. And so today's episode is actually spurred because of my own current interests, fascinations, and struggles. And that is going to be all about somatics, the somatic experience with a gem of a human, Caitlin of Her Temple. She is a somatic yoga therapist. And if those words make you think, nope, this is too much, (laughs) this is too woo-woo, Emily, how am I going to relate Please, I beg, I plead, I urge you to just listen, listen through and feel your mind be blown open. Like it is unreal how deep yet comprehensible this episode goes. Like there are times where I'm like, whoa, like I never even considered this aspect of the brain or the nervous systems or whatever it is. And yet Caitlin explains it so digestible, like for lack of a better, more educated word. (laughs) Like it's just... Oh, I love, love, love this conversation. I was hooked. I could have talked for so much longer, but I wanted to respect both of our time limits. And so, yeah, this is essentially a quick deep dive into all things, what I would deem internalized healing. And so you'll hear her explain it, but somatic, somatic experience, somatic therapy, whatever terminology you want to use is the idea of healing from within, like truly from within. So this is different from a therapy approach in which you are being led externally. It's different from yoga or even meditation in which you are kind of like led internally at times. And so this practice is really about looking within and healing, moving through and releasing the stored trauma, the stored stress, the stored everything that our body holds on to. And if you follow me on Instagram or just in previous episodes, you've probably heard me talk a bit about this phenomenon and how I'm working through it. And so I'm super excited to have found this new approach through somatics and hopefully engage in it myself to just heal and work through some stored energy I have in my body. I know for a fact that I hold so much, so, so much energy in my my heart space, my lower stomach and my hips. Like I have been told that by doctors, by massage therapists, by energy practitioners through Reiki, like, and just by knowing, by feeling where my body holds on to stress and tension and pent up emotions. And so this episode 
actually relates to everyone because we all have stored experiences, stored trauma, stored whatever, whatever it is inside of our body. And with time, it only worsens and it only builds up. And so it's so important to do this type of work or to at least educate yourself and be aware of why our body does what it does. Um, so yeah, if you struggle with any sort of thing, like depression, anxiety, mental health, emotional health, hopefully you cannot hear the dogs playing in the background. Oh my God. I, guys, I'm losing my shit. I'm sorry. I currently have three dogs, three cats and two dogs in my apartment at the time of this recording. I won't by the time you hear this, but like, holy fucking hell. I'm about to lose my mind, which is all the more reason that this episode was needed. So I'm going to wrap it up, go take care of the dogs, get myself a nice shower and dinner. But I really hope you listen to this episode. I really hope you take something away from it. I think you will, but we'll see. So let us know your thoughts. I'll link all of our connections down below. I'd be, I'd love, love, love to discuss this episode with you. So feel free to reach out on Instagram at Emily Feichels. I'm also in Geneva now, which is an app where we can have sort of like a live communication community. It's so cool. I'll link that below as well. We can connect on there. We can connect through the DMs, Instagram, etc. And remember, if you like the show, it means oh so much to leave a rate and review, to subscribe, to share with a friend on social, whatever it be. It's a small, simple action that means oh so much. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode and I'll talk to you next time. So then, yeah, I guess where I wanted to start with things is that I just wanted to clarify. So you're a somatic yoga therapist. Correct. Yes. Perfect. So today I want to like just kind of break down like what that all includes and what that means exactly. But um, for anyone listening, that's kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is a conversation for me, et cetera. I'm just so excited to explore this all with you. Um, I know for me personally, I, for the past like two weeks now, I feel like the universe has been putting like little pebbles in my path because I keep seeing podcast episodes or content creators or whoever it is talking about like the, the somatic experience is what I've seen them kind of label it as. Um, and it's something I've actually been trying to learn more about and get into as kind of like talk therapy just isn't doing it for me anymore. And I feel like I have a lot of past traumas and emotions and everything that I need to work through. And from what I've seen, that's sort of what this like somatic approach is supposed to be really like good and garnered for. So for anyone that's just sort of unfamiliar with this entire topic, myself included, how would you maybe start to describe what like the word somatic even means like before we dive into everything else? Yeah. So soma is the root, the Greek root word of somatic, and it means inner body and, or living body is another definition of that. And so the way that I really look at somatic work, just like as a body of work, because there are a whole lot of variations inside of somatic, somatic healing processes, but as a body of work, it's really, from my perspective, all about building intimacy with the inner body, meaning the realm inside of you that is of sensation and feeling and um, texture. It's really about tuning into the intuition inside of the body. And so with that, there's also quite a big, I feel really empowering switch that happens mentally where 
we're no longer in somatic work looking for external authority and we're really turning inward and seeing what the wisdom of the body has to guide us. And so somatic practices oftentimes are really based in the foundation of just being able to feel your own sensations. It's like that quote, you got to feel it to heal it. That would be pretty much like what somatic work is, is defined by from a lot of, and again, there are a lot of different approaches and perspectives, but another root word actually from Sanskrit of Soma is divine nectar and like juiciness. And also Soma has been a word that's been related to, um, well, some, some people have drawn a connection between Soma and like psychedelic experiences. And I also feel like there's a crossover between what happens in somatic work and what can happen in more of those psychedelic states. It's just a deeper way of processing and moving through blockages that we, we really can't do from the mental side of ourselves. Like you mentioned with that, like limitation of talk therapy, talk therapy can be so powerful and so great for coming to, to sense around things understanding our story cerebrally, like developing our, our consciousness. And um, it does have limitations in terms of how much, how much surrender can happen because surrender is really needed in order to drop into a deeper layer of healing. And I see a lot of people are really blocked in terms of like, how do I access that? And how do I get out of just like overthinking things all of the time? And somatic work is so powerful for that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think what what first really got me interested is uh, I was listening to this this person talk on a podcast and they were saying how kind of similar to what you just said with talk therapy, right? Or the more common modalities of therapy that we all see and while they have a place and they can be so beneficial, I think there is that degree in which, and this is what the guy was kind of alluding to and saying as well, when you're like talking, when you're just like talking through the therapy, you're almost, it's like you're reliving it, but you're not like fully expressing or releasing it. Right. And that's when then like the conversation shifted to this idea of like stored trauma or stored emotion or energy in the body. And that's kind of like what this somatic work is like geared towards, right. Is like sort of like a, like an actual, like physical, like full body release versus just sort of that, like talk through almost like reliving of a situation or time, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's not about storytelling really at all. And there's um, a nice way to think of this, especially a lot of like my background and a lot of people I work with have experienced traumas. And so talk therapy is a really important part of the healing process of like really understanding and talking about your experience, sharing your story and coming to a deeper understanding of like all of the ways that experience wasn't your fault and like really empowering yourself through understanding and through knowledge and you're absolutely right sometimes we can get stuck in loops with that and we don't actually go to the deeper levels of of healing and that's what somatic processing is really about not telling stories it's allowing yourself to feel and to expand your capacity for feeling because a lot of experiences get stuck in our bodies when we don't have bandwidth or capacity to like fully feel them through. And then we get stuck even more in those, those loops of re-traumatization and re-experiencing and we get stuck in like a limiting pattern. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I guess like, would you, would there be like any other way to sort of like explain how that trauma or those experiences get like trapped in the body? Cause like, whether it's, I've heard people say like big T or little T trauma or like whatever, like the experience was like, is there like more of like an explanation or like idea of like how exactly that gets trapped in the body or maybe like where it does just to sort of like help paint a picture for anyone that's never really like thought about it in this way like I know for me the first time I even thought about it was when I got um, I experienced Reiki a few different forms um, in a very like powerful setting it was the first time I ever realized I was like wow I feel like something like stuck in my like heart like stuck in my heart area and then stuck in my like abdomen area and it was like the first time that concept ever even like hit me but it was only in like a very like kind of like powerful like experiential setting so like is there like more how could we like maybe like paint that picture for somebody of like how it might feel or like where typically like that trauma experience might get stored in the body I suppose Mm -hmm. well let's just talk about it on like a really practical level which um I feel like relates to stress which we can all we can all relate to that Mm -hmm. and <laughs> like just part of being human is that we're going to experience stress. Um, and when you're in a state of stress, like you can even just kind of bring to mind the last moment you experienced heightened stress and just notice what even thinking about that does in your body. And it's likely that there's like going to be a bit of like an activation of the shoulders up to the ears or a tensing of the jaw and a tightening of the gut, um, different responses physiologically that happen in the body some of which are more connected to what Hannah's somatics, Thomas Hannah calls the red light reflex versus the green light reflex, which just basically remind, like on a really foundational level is like, do you want to move toward the stress or are you trying to like move away from it? Um, and we can talk more about that and get clear on that if if you want to, but just like how the body responds to stress, right? Like the muscles are going to start to engage, to tense, to shorten. And when there hasn't been a proper moment of discharge or of healthy confrontation with that stress, where it actually feels like there's a completion that happens, that tension's not actually going to go anywhere and it just kind of stays. So then we get chronic, what's called chronic holding patterns, which means that unconsciously your body is holding itself in this stressed out tight position related to that stressful experience, which is also gonna be related to a variety of emotions and sensations and other other sensory information that can really keep you bound up in the body. And depending on what that experience is and how your body is wired, that might be in different locations. Like it's, pretty common that a lot of like heartache issues are going to happen around the heart and with relationship and relational trauma and with love and romance and um, relationships in general, there'll be more guardedness and holding that can happen in the chest area versus the pelvis might have to do more around sexuality and creativity and those experiences. So where it's stored in the body can kind of change depending on the experiences and the emotions connected with it. But what pretty much happens is when there hasn't been a full completion of the stress cycle, meaning that your system has been able to ride the wave of being stressed back to, you know, a sense of completion with that, 
the body holds on to these. And we store these from, you know, <laughs> very early ages and from my belief system, even past lifetimes and um, uh, ancestrally with, with different ancestors or people in our lineage. And these are like holding patterns or areas of armor in the body that are kind of designed survivally to protect us from a threat, to keep us on guard, ready to mobilize and protect ourselves in some way in order to meet a threat. And under chronic states can be really limiting and keep us from who we actually really want to be, how we want to feel, plus can cause chronic pain and illness and chronic fatigue and all of these really nasty physiological symptoms that can increase over time when these holding patterns and this somatic buildup hasn't actually had a chance to fully resolve and discharge. Gotcha. Yeah, I was going to ask, are there like actual like physical, mental manifestations of that as well? But that kind of sounds like what you were saying there, whether it'd be like maybe like a condition or chronic fatigue, whatever it is, like I can only imagine also like the stress that has on your physical body to be in that like chronic hold pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel like I've experienced that. So I I feel like I definitely can like relate to it in that sense. Um, But that's amazing. I mean, I guess I'm just like curious when it comes to this type of work, like where, where do you usually like suggest people start? And I guess I like with that, where did you start with it? Like what, what inspired you to dive into this and to really like, I don't know, just enter this entire world of like healing that isn't probably like as common as, I don't know, you know, people hear about meditation and they hear about yoga and they hear like all these other modalities and I've done all of those and I've been there, but like when it comes to having this like somatic approach to it, like what inspired you to start down this road? Um, And then maybe we can like go into how others could maybe like get started in this or just like learn more, experience more um, and sort of like see how it impacts them in their own personal life. Totally, I love that question. I mean, I, I got started in this work through my own mental health experiences and just, I needed it, <laughs> really needed it. And um, actually my, my background and how I initially started down my healing path has been through yoga and through meditation. And um, those have been hugely helpful and hugely important. And there's a lot of research and a lot of, there's like a big movement in the yoga and meditation industry right now on creating more like trauma-informed spaces and nervous system informed practices to really support building more bandwidth or increasing the threshold of healing for being able to actually start to process and digest some of the blockages that come up. So yoga and meditation are hugely important and a deep part of this work. And what's interesting too is that I think for many people you can be really drawn to that and a little bit intimidated by maybe some of the somatic processes because with yoga and meditation, it's pretty much like, okay, I'm going to have my, go to my teacher and they're going to tell me what to do to heal myself. Like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Right. Like that very much. I just want to hear the steps of A, B, C, D for me to feel better. And somatic healing is not about that at all. And in fact, that's what I really love about it is that it's so individualized and it so invites you to start to pave your own path and awaken your own wisdom that literally these yoga and meditation practices they didn't just like pop up from thin air like these were channeled and created through people having their own first hands-on experiences with them and I 
really feel that somatic work invites us to connect more to that inner wisdom inside the body that already knows, like it already knows asana, it already knows the yoga poses inside of it, already knows these meditation practices and breath work. And I find when I work with people, you know, they start moving or breathing or kind of entering a really meditative state in a way that I don't have to tell them to do it. It just really naturally happens as a side effect or a byproduct of this work, which is really, really cool. Um, but I kind of crossed over from yoga and meditation into somatic work by really understanding and realizing that I needed something a little bit deeper in order to fully heal some of what was coming up in my own nervous system. Yoga and meditation are like so amazing for increasing your bandwidth and what we call in a lot of somatic healing modalities resourcing, which means that you're providing your nervous system with information, practices, stabilization that helps you just feel better. And that's great. And then also we need an approach that helps you go toward the blockages and toward some of the heavy stuff in order to fully let it alchemize and resolve. Because I also find a lot in the spiritual community, there can be some conditioning and wiring to only want to go toward the good, the good feelings, the good vibes. Um, and that can be really limiting because part of our human experience is we're, I believe we're born here also to experience our pain and to experience sadness and grief and, and traumas even, and, um, learning how to be with those in a way that doesn't completely knock you off your center, completely shut you down. That's just, it's just an important skill in being human. I really like, I feel like if every human had like some somatic tools and skills, the world would be a radically different place. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that's why I was like, just so interested about learning about this and having this conversation is because, I mean, that kind of goes back to what you were saying in the beginning too, about like the difference between like healing while still having that external like validation or guidance, whatever it is, versus being like going like completely inward and like a completely like self motivated self, like guided, et cetera, like through that journey and experience. I mean, I know for me, like I'll even, I'll be like, oh, I should do yoga, but like, I don't want to do it at home. Cause like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I need to have an instructor, like I need to be in person so they can like guide me through it. Like just even down to that semblance, right. Or like with meditation, being afraid to kind of like do it on our own. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to be guided, like do what you have to do to do those things. But like, I can only imagine the level of like healing that could actually come when you do have that like entirely like internalized state. And if like the somatic experience is like all about that or can lead you to it, like how amazing would that be, you know? And I wanted to touch on, you mentioned the nervous system a few times and I believe I'm right in the saying, but the vagus nerve would be kind of like a, a big player component of our nervous system, correct? Yeah. Okay. yeah, the vagus nerve is one of the cranial nerves and it's the pretty much the driver of the parasympathetic nervous system, which means you're, to oversimplify it, the rest and digest response. And it's, it's very connected with that. And there's been a lot of research in the... Um, more and more frequent or more current years around how important vagal nerve tone is for again increasing your threshold and increasing your bandwidth to 
be able to move through different nervous system states. Cause really what we want is we don't want to just be in rest and digest all the time. We need to be able to ride the waves of activation and deactivation and to have a mobile nervous system. That's the sign of health is that your nervous system is able to shift states and it doesn't get stuck in a certain state. So the vagal nerve tone is really helpful for keeping your nervous system in that fluid capacity to ride the waves of being activated and deactivated. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I I've been advised multiple times over the years to work on my, my vagus nerve or different like practices like humming, et cetera, that are supposed to kind of help with that. Um, but it wasn't until recently that I started to really understand, like to look more into the nervous system or just to be aware of like my own, like where I'm at. Right. And I, I don't think I realized what you just said there, which is like, the goal isn't to be just like in one, one state, like you want to be able to activate and deactivate. Um, I had never like really thought of that or had anybody kind of explain it to me in that way. Um, but I can imagine that when we go through a trauma or a heavy experience, whatever it is, does the body sort of like get locked into one state of the nervous system? And then that's what this type of work is then there to help us get to that state where we can be more flow, you know, kind of like high and low activate, deactivate. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's um, so oftentimes trauma is really qualified by actually the dorsal vagal nerve. So the vagus nerve has the top side and a bottom side and the dorsal is the bottom side. And that is pretty much the ancient nervous system, the like reptilian nervous system. You are even you encounter a stress or a threat that feels so large and overwhelming that you feel like I can't survive this. Then the dorsal vagus nerve activates and puts you into what's called the freeze response or the um, collapse response. Pretty much shut down, dissociated, disconnected from your body, and also really linked to like chronic states of depression too. It's, it's really common to have, have that nervous system wiring where you're really stuck in freeze. And that's the quality of freeze is that stuckness. And the interesting thing about it is um, this is not about like what is literally happening to you. It's about how your system interprets it. So like for some people, public speaking is like, I can't survive this sort of thing. Like I can't survive the humiliation or the perceived like vulnerability of that. And we can go into like the freeze response. So it's not based on actually what's happening, but how you perceive what's happening. And so a lot of people get stuck in, in the freeze response and that hypoarousal. And what's interesting is that oftentimes underneath that is a whole lot of activation and a whole lot of more of the you know, how you might typically think of the stress response, that fight flight energy that can be more related to anxiety, jitteriness, shakiness in the body. Um, But the interesting thing is, so if we're talking about nervous system states, we can kind of divide them into three main categories. We have dorsal vagal nerve, which is the freeze response. We have ventral vagal nerve, the top half of the vagus nerve, which is what Stephen Porges calls the, the social engagement response. This is um, connecting with other people socially and also more related to like what people would 
traditionally think of as like rest and digest over there. And then sympathetic, which is the fight or flight, right? So those are the three kind of different ways that our nervous system operates. But what's really important to do is not get into the mindset where we think one is good and the other the others are bad. Like I just want to be in social engagement and not be in the others because they all have their positive sides and they all they all have their challenging sides as well. Because for example, the um, let's take the sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight energy, which can be really connected with emotions of like anger or rage or fear, but it's also really connected to you and your passion and getting up out of bed in the morning and feeling excited about something and um, having a burst of energy to go for a run and those sort of things are sympathetic and are connected with the, that same branch of the nervous system that operates fight or flight. Just like with the freeze response, that's also what helps us go to sleep. And it's what helps us meditate too, which is a dissociative experience. And there can be a lot of healing in dissociation. So it's not about any of this being good or bad, right or wrong, but I really feel like it's so powerful to learn about the nervous system and to become a master of your own nervous system so that you don't get really stuck in one state, which is oftentimes where a lot of us are, is just stuck either in depression or in anxiety. I don't think I'd ever heard the three systems like described in that way, especially with having like, not even using labels of good and bad, but just like having such a full 360, like roundabout experience in each state. Um, So yeah, that's like fascinating. I think it is, like you said, important to also like relate to the fact that these experiences can be like they don't have to be these giant big events right like I I think sometimes we we don't validate like our own experiences and own emotions enough and that example with the talking on stage one is like such a great one to have um I just I I've seen so many people in my life and myself included where it's just like we have this experience come up and we find ourselves saying like, I don't know why I'm reacting this way. Like, I don't know why I'm crying. You know, like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. And it's like, there's nothing wrong. Something has just like probably activated, right? I'd assume like that system that's been like an underlying thing for us, maybe something, you know, in the past really triggered it for us. And then this, what could be seen as a quote unquote smaller moment is like reactivating it. Like, I don't know how that works exactly, but I'd be curious, like when it comes to something like a panic or anxiety attack or something like that, would you say that's just like, I know for me personally, when I've had those experiences, it's usually from a seemingly small moment, but I know it comes from like a deeper place, like probably a deeper activation. Would that be what's happening then is like, we we have this like larger system that's just being activated in that moment. And that can what like, can spur us into these sort of just like much larger experiences experiences I know I'm kind of butchering my words there but I think I understand and the answer is that it's it's complicated but it doesn't have to be but it can be um (laughs) but just to like let's let's talk about one thing before we go there because I feel like this will be important like just to even deepen understanding because right now we've talked about the main branches of the autonomic nervous system which are the vagus nerve which has the dorsal and ventral side the um freeze response, we can call it, in social engagement. And then we have the sympathetic fight or flight. But before 
before the energy even goes there for survival responses, it starts actually with processing through the sensory nervous system and in the brain. And so what happens is, let's take this public speaking example. And let's say in third grade, you have to go up on, on stage in front of your whole school, like you all have to do the talent show. And you're kind of excited about it. You really want to sing this song that you've been working on, but then you get up there and you butcher it. Everyone points at you and laughs. Let's say that's the experience that you have. What happens in that moment with the nervous system is that all of the sensory data that you're taking in, which means sight, sound, smells, tastes, so on, is being stored and connected with the memory experience that you've had. So let's say the exact lighting of the room like maybe the stage lights are on you and it's really bright. Let's say that image of people pointing at you. Maybe there's someone in the front row with like a bright red shirt and you really lock in on his face and his face is like, you know, a particular way. Maybe there's the smell of cafeteria food coming in from the other room and kind of like a fan going on in the background with like a humming sound. So all of that information is going to be stored in the limbic system of the brain connected with the emotional experience of humiliation that you had in that moment. What happens then is that your prefrontal cortex, the part of your mind that thinks logically and that's able to like identify with more rationality, with reason, that part of your mind that you work with a lot in talk therapy, that gets overrided and then your stress response comes on. So in that moment of humiliation, they're going to have a response of maybe like your belly drops, you want to curl up in a ball, you want to hide, you run off stage, right? Fight, flight, collapse response starts to happen. And perhaps that experience never feels really that resolved for you. And you just kind of want to never think about it again. You put it in the back of your mind. You're like, I'm going to forget that ever happened and move on with my life because that's a little bit too much for me to handle and to process. The nervous system doesn't actually forget it, even if you want to avoid it. What happens is that later on in your life, and this is oftentimes what happens with panic attacks, especially in the, those moments when you're like, why am I reacting this way? This doesn't feel like it's actually a big deal, is that the sensory information that's coming in that feels similar enough to that initial experience can trigger that cascade of the stress response in your nervous system without you consciously being aware of it at all. So let's say there's like the hum of a fan in the background or the light hits you in a particular way, or you smell a food that smells kind of similar to the cafeteria food at your school, or you see a kid with a red shirt or someone makes kind of a face at you or points at you. And then all of a sudden that cascade of the stress response is gonna happen again. You're back in that same moment, maybe not even with the memory of it, or you feel completely humiliated. You don't even, you're not even like conscious of this happening, but all of a sudden you're in a state of like, of panic because that's the same emotion from that past experience that didn't actually ever get to fully resolve. So that's really important to kind of understand a foundation of how the brain starts to translate information to the autonomic nervous system to send that cascade of the stress response or those responses that's not even based in present moment reality, but it's based in past memory stored through your senses. That gets filed away in your unconscious, you're not aware of it. And then later on, you're like, why am I having a panic attack right now? 
And really it could be something as simple as like that sound of the fan that just gives you like kind of a weird feeling in your body and um, starts to put you in that whole tumble down (laughs) through that response again. That's fascinating. And thank you for like taking my jumble of words and backing it up and explaining it. Cause that's, I've never had it like make sense in that way, but that I'm just like nodding along, like completely getting that. That makes so much sense. And I, I feel like if nothing else, like a, it's always good to understand like why or how things are happening, you know, for your body. Right. And I think it just can help people when these experiences happen to kind of have even a general idea of like, okay, something's happening here, here, and here. Like, what can I do for it? Um, so yeah, I guess that all being said, tying it back to what is like the somatic experience, right? Which would be having all of these experiences and processes going on in your body, kind of without you even realizing it, these, these systems and these triggers and whatever they may be, like kind of all tied up and connected within us what, like, could you walk us through maybe like what a somatic experience would be like, or what a somatic yoga experience or like whatever that sort of like physical experience would be to help us move through this like stored and internalized trauma experience, like body wisdom, so to speak. Like, I guess, could you just kind of give an idea of like how that would look or what the actions might be to sort of have that experience happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first step is to um, build bandwidth in the nervous system. And oftentimes with the freeze response, that's accompanied by this immense feeling of being like, I can't do this. I can't survive this. I can't do this. Um, oftentimes also being really like critical and hard on yourself. That's all connected with freeze. Um that's inconducive to healing, right? Like that's not um, a mindset. That's not a body sensation or a space that helps you move forward. That literally helps keep you stuck. And physiologically is a response in the body that helps you prepare for a painless death, right? So it's, you know, it's not really equivalent, equivalent with you moving forward and you healing. And so the first step is to create more bandwidth so that you have an inner sense of, I can, I can do this. I can meet these emotions and these feelings. I can hold this. I believe in myself. I know I'm capable. I'm strong. Like, but not just from the affirmation perspective, really allowing your nervous system to believe that because you feel it and you know it because it's your experience. And so you do that through nourishing your sensory nervous system, through resourcing. There's a lot of practices that can do it. Vagal nerve toning practices would be another way. That's how you start to create more of that sense of, I can do this. I can meet these experiences. I've got it. I got me. Those sort of um, practices, which by the way, I have a whole um, Vegas nerve exercise series on my, on my website that people can access to start playing around more with that level. But from there, that's not the end of the story. Once that is established to a certain level, the next step is to go inward. And so That first stage is really about connecting with the environment, connecting with your senses, present moment safety, creating more bandwidth. From there, you move internal. Learning how to speak the language of the body, how to translate sensations that you feel, how to name sensations. 
which by the way in itself, just naming a sensation is going to start to link the left and the right hemispheres of the brain and start to integrate. Just by you saying, I feel a lump in my throat, it feels really tight, it's pulsing, it feels hot. I have maybe an image of like an ice pick going into my throat that accompanies that, right? Like just saying all of that aloud is automatically already going to start processing it. So that in itself is an amazing first step. Learning how to name the sensations that you feel in your body can be really hard for some people, especially if you're very dissociated, very disconnected from your body. Um, So this can take a long time to build up that relationship with. And there are going to be, this is a lifelong journey, because there are going to be certain areas of your body that are more numb, that you're more disconnected from, that you just don't feel anything there. But for those of you listening who do have a lot of that numbness, numbness counts as a sensation too. Like you can say, feels empty. Like my body feels empty. I feel numb in my belly. I don't feel anything. Those sort of things um, are also going to help to start to dethaw because a lot of that numbness and lack of being able to feel comes from being frozen too, that frozen nervous system state. But in this stage where you're starting to connect more with the inner body, with feelings, what's oftentimes attached to those feelings, let's say in the throat, that ice pick or lump in the throat feeling, uh, what's often connected with that are repressed words or actions or emotions or images that need to be seen and need to be expressed and moved. And this is when it's really important to have a guide with you who's helping you work through that because it can be really easy as you start to connect with those things to go back into freeze and back into that sense of, I can't do this. This is too much. And it's really important when you're with these sensations and feelings, you have a feeling inside where you're like, I can do this. I can meet this. This is fine. This is okay. Even if it's really painful, really hard, really shitty to feel, I know I'm good. I know I've got myself. Um, And so a lot of the times that means going really slowly with it, touching in, and then going back to a resource, going slowly enough for your system to actually integrate. So you might not go toward your 10 out of 10 traumatic experience first, but you might start with that really small experience that happened at the grocery store where you just started to feel like a little bit anxious or unsettled and work with those feelings. And layer by layer, you can go deeper and deeper and your trust with yourself is going to grow and grow. In that stage, there's release that gets to happen of the blocked up energy from the chakras, from the physical body. There might be actual physical symptoms and purges that happen. Like in my experience last month, I just had this huge emotional release and got this gnarly rash after. And that's really common to happen, like literally physical purges that will occur. But then the third level of somatic yoga therapy is that We don't just stop at the release stage, but once there's more space in the body, there's also this beautiful opportunity for more of your soul power to come back in, for more of your unis, all of those aspects, expansive qualities of who you are and who you're born to be in this lifetime can start to come back into your body and you can root more into yourself without it feeling so scary to be you. and scary to be your fullest self-expression and who you're born to be. So it's enormously powerful. And for anyone getting started, it starts out in that sense of like, gotta build bandwidth and capacity. 
And then from there, if you're wanting to go deeper, finding a somatic practitioner, somatic yoga therapy practitioner, um, that can help support you in going inward and releasing those blockages that, you know, they can be from traumas, but they can also be like those upper limits that we put on ourselves that just keep us from fully actualizing in this life in the way that we we really want to, living our dreams and being our fullest selves. It can be trauma-based, but it could also be all the ways that you're just not quite like content with your life, your relationships and going to the body, extracting that wisdom, moving through the blockages and bringing more of your energy or your soul back home into your body, which is where it's meant to be, is that full like full circle process. And oftentimes we have to go through many, like many, many, many wash cycles of these stages. Love that. So it's kind of like a repetitive or not maybe repetitive is not the word, but like you're coming back to it. You know, it's not like a one, one stop, you're done kind of healing yeah. thing, which I don't yeah. think much nowadays is, even though we would, we would love for that to be the case. <laughs> yeah, it's not linear. And I don't, I don't think it's ever done really. Like, I don't think our healing work is ever done because we're humans and we're never going to be fully there. But um eventually what happens especially in like the trauma healing journey is that you get to stop orienting so much around the traumas and you get to orient more around who you really are which you are not your traumas you are not your victimhood you're something so much greater than that and the nervous system on trauma would have you believe otherwise for survival region reasons really founded in in good reason many of the times um but that definitely puts a, a cap and a limit on you being able to live the life that you want for yourself. And so, you know, you might, a lot of people come to this work wanting to process traumas, but then they find like, oh my gosh, there's so much more here than I ever imagined. And I'm not just here to actually heal this trauma anymore. I'm here to really embody more of my full self. And that comes hand in hand with trauma healing. Yeah. I mean, I know for me personally, I feel like that's part of the draw to this all for me is that of course, like I want to, I want to work through lingering stored trauma and let it go, release it. But like part of that's also like, I, I feel like in that process will be becoming less and less like dissociated or distant from like my, my truest self. Right. And I, I think a lot of times we don't realize like how much these internalized experiences can hold us back and whether it's micro or macro ways of like our full potential or what we can like fully do or put ourselves out there to do or whatever it is. Like, I mean, limiting beliefs, I feel like wherever those come from and stem from, like there has to be that tire connection there. So I think that is so important. And I, I wanted to say also what came to me when you were talking about the last bit was how even, you know, this is something that starts within us probably so, so young. And, you know, the, the longer you live, the longer it can accumulate, build up, et cetera. But even like that idea of, you know, as, as kids, a lot of times we're kind of taught to like, you're crying. Okay. Like, let's stop crying. What can we do to stop it? Like shut it down, blah, blah. blah. But like, how often are we able to like fully live through that cycle as you were explaining earlier of like a full emotion or a full experience, whatever it is, or how often do we all feel that like feeling in our throat or the feeling in our chest? And then we just like immediately try to like pull ourselves together, or wipe it off or, you know, stand up again and just like keep going. And like you said, probably put ourselves back in that freeze dissociation stage. So 
I think there's just so much, you know, thought that can go into this and hopefully anyone listening can, whether they resonate or it's just getting them thinking, whatever it is, like, I think you're probably right of like, this is a work anyone could experience and work through. So yeah, I guess just thank you so, so much for sharing so, so much today. I mean, I, my mind is like blown away. I feel, I'm just like giddy with excitement over this type of stuff. So I love having these types of conversations. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I'd love, um, you mentioned like people can find a practitioner to work with or just another form of support when going through this type of work. And you mentioned um, the vagus nerve training teachings on your site as well. Are there other ways people can work with you? Where can they connect to learn more? Um, I know myself, I'm going to be like checking out more and more on your site, looking locally as well, just seeing what I can find to really like actually dive into doing more of this type of work. So I'd love to share any resources you have. Yeah, so definitely the vagus nerve free series. It's seven, six or seven different practices that you can do to help start tone the vagus, toning the vagus nerve. And that can be found on my site, hertemplehealing.com. Um, I also do one-on-one work and train practitioners. And so I have a training called the Somatic Alchemy Training. We get started with our next cycle on August 19th. And we do have some spaces left. So if anyone's called to like dive super deep, that would be a great way to do that. And um I also do one-on-one work and have some practitioners that I've trained that I can connect people with. So yeah, that's, uh, that, that would be the information to get, get people started in, in this realm. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there. So, well, and a lot of resources on my website. So if anyone's wanting to check that out, just head to hertemplehealing.com. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll link that all below as well. Um, so people can just click on that and go, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, Hopefully this conversation gets people thinking, pursuing, et cetera on this. So thank you again for taking time for it. Thank you.